Support for this podcast comes from TransPerfect, a family of companies providing language services and technology solutions for global businesses. Connect your brand to the world and visit TransPerfect.com. From TransPerfect and A to Z Productions, this is Next. And I'm Zelina Khan, your host. Hey everyone, we decided to switch things up this season. In the past, our episodes have been based around different industries and businesses, featuring some really intelligent subject matter experts. But this time around, we're gonna focus on people, specifically some of the amazing female leaders that we know, that we think should be shared with you all. I hope you enjoy. I hope you missed us because we really missed you too. This first person I hold very near and dear to my heart, both professionally and personally. I really think of her as life goals. We've worked together, we've traveled together, and if you've ever been around her, you know her aura is just amazing. Welcome Marta Geller, Senior Vice President of TransPerfect's Enterprise Solutions Group. Marta will be the first female powerhouse we feature this season. I couldn't think of a better person to get us started. Thank you for joining us today, Marta. Thank you for having me. Can you please give the listeners a snapshot about your role at TransPerfect right now and maybe a little bit about what ESG is? Sure. Uh, My name is Marta Geller, and I'm Senior VP of the Enterprise Solutions Group. And my role is a combination of uh, new business development and uh, customer management or relationship management uh, within TransPerfect. And a big focus of our team, which is the Enterprise Solutions Group, is to ensure that we are onboarding very complex clients, that we are understanding their requirements and designing solutions that solve their business problems. And these clients are typically large global organizations. Marta is known as the queen by many, (laughs) but... What I love about you is how you communicate that, you know, such a title like that didn't come overnight. I think as young women starting out earlier in their career, you just, um, or me, like I would just look at someone like you and think, um, you know, how can I be like that? How can I get there? And it can be overwhelming. It can be daunting at times. You you gave a presentation at a conference in in Seoul, and you know, I looked around at the room, and I think everyone was thinking the same thing I was thinking. They were just captivated by you, and just it was so great to get a, a snapshot into your journey. And I think that's what this this conversation is about. One of the themes that I think came out throughout your talk was transformation. Now you're just this super saleswoman, <laughs> but that's not what you planned on being, correct? Why don't Why don't you tell us a little bit about your your early career goals, and we'll just take it from there. Yes, putting that presentation together was very illuminating, and it was interesting because when you look at life in retrospect, you realize what a different person you are today than what you were when you started your career, and yet and yet you're not right. But yes, I started my career thinking that I was going to be a conference interpreter. I actually got a degree a master's degree in interpretation, simultaneous interpretation. And I had my sights on working for the United Nations and 
you know, being at the General Assembly. And mm -hmm. I think opportunity has played a big, big, big role in my career, as has luck to a certain extent. And, and yes, it has all been about seizing those opportunities and transforming or continuous learning to get to where I am today. It certainly wasn't a, you know, I didn't stop 35 years ago and think, where am I going to be 35 years from now? I think the common theme in, in my entire career has been learning, has been adapting without compromising, and it has been transformation. So how do I take myself as a professional to the next level? What do I need to learn? What do I need to do to develop my, my career? Not expecting everybody else to do it, my, my employers or my you know, teachers or whoever. So yeah, it, it has been a very interesting process of looking back at the various stages of my life and really identifying what are some of those big moments, uh, as we call them in, in Transperfect, our aha moments where they served a, as a you know, po a turning point in our careers that, you know, have, have led me to where I am today. I want to talk about when you intro your presentation, you said, translations was the only thing she knew. <laughs> yes. So let's go back. You said you wanted to be a conference interpreter. Mm -hmm. What inspired you to even want to go to school to study that? I grew up in Colombia and I went to an American school. So I, 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 I learned English, but it was, it was academic English. And interestingly enough, my neighbor was a conference interpreter for the United Nations. And I remember meeting her in the hallway in the elevator. I must have been 10 years old. And I was going to be either a journalist or I was going to be an interpreter. And I met this woman and I said, that's what I'm going to be in life. And so, you know, when I decided that's what I wanted to be, I knew that I had to learn languages. And so my next step was, okay, you need to make sure that your English is really, really good. And so that's, that was the beginning of, of my career in the world of languages. But you never, in fact, interpreted for any conference. Well, interestingly enough, when I, you know, at one point I moved back to California because I lived in New York when I was trying to go work for the United Nations. And I ended up being an interpreter for the courts in California. And anyone that has been a court interpreter will tell you it's a really tough job because you get all kinds of strange cases. So I, that's when I said, okay, I need to focus on my job, which is sales. <laughs> well, and the rest is history. What I want to do is take the listener through your transition from wanting to be a conference interpreter to eventually getting into sales, because I think that's just an amazing story. And it just seems like your career was made up of many, you know, risks and, and choices that you had to make. And I'm sure took a lot of thought, right? Aside from just what you wanted to do, but dealing with outside influences of you know, thinking about financial security, maybe thinking about what your family would say. So can you walk us through that for a bit? I think my career development has had one very common theme, maybe, maybe a couple of common themes. One of them is whatever you do, work really, really hard and do it well. So it didn't matter what my position was whether I was a receptionist or whether I started as a as an interpreter, whatever it was, I knew. And I think my mother, you know, inculcated that in me from a very, very early age. 
Whatever it is that you're going to do, do it really, really well and work very hard. And that has been a common theme my entire career. It was less about the money, although I do, I do remember having a couple of instances where I thought, I've got to make more money and I can make more money if I become a really good salesperson, right? So, and I think money is important if you're a salesperson because that's how you get, how you're measured if, to a certain extent. Uh, but the other thing was continuous learning. And so if you take my career in the world of languages, translation, the one thing that, that I always strived for was to work hard and work hard at learning and becoming really good at what I did and then figuring out what's next. I've learned this. I've mastered this. What comes next? How can I evolve? How can I grow to the next level? Less about title, less about money, more about skills and ability to manage more complex things and challenges. I think it was challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that was probably the biggest thing that drove me through, and it still drives me in my, in my career. Walk us through your actual moment where you're like, wow, I guess I'm not going to do interpretation anymore. And what's going through your head where you go to school for something, and I feel like a lot of students and, you know, we go to school for something and we always end up, a lot of people just end up not doing what they went to school for. So walk us through like, the opportunity that led you out of that. Mm -hmm. So I graduated from then Monterey Institute of International Studies with a graduate degree in conference interpretation. You graduate with big plans. You're going to be flown first class and you're going to go do all the world conferences and the General Assembly, which is the biggest event that the United Nations has. And then I landed at the United Nations with these horrible meetings and I thought, I can't work here. So I lived in New York City at that time, and I said, I'm going to go look for a job. And I decided to go and explore the commercial or the private side of translation, which then is was totally different to what it is today. And I grabbed the Yellow Pages. I found the largest ad, literally, in the Yellow Pages. So I think it took half a page, and I started knocking on doors. I printed my resume that, you know, in those days you didn't have email, you didn't have websites. No LinkedIn. No LinkedIn, nothing. So you literally went door to door selling yourself. I remember people asking me how many words I could type uh, a minute. And I remember at that point I said, I think I need to learn how to type. I became my own salesperson having to go door to door to every translation company to see if I could work with them. I knew I wanted to stay in the world of translation uh, in languages because I had lived in France. I'm from Colombia, so my native language is Spanish. And then, of course, I learned English. And so I knew that that was like what I wanted to use. I found this company called Euramerica. It was the company that had the largest ad in the pages indeed. And I found that there was a graduate from my school in Monterey in the company. I remember her in Janet Schwartz and I pestered her. She passed my resume on to this other woman and this other woman called me and said, I have a position and I'm thinking, great, I'm probably going to be the French language manager or Spanish language manager or something like that or a translator. And I said, I'll take the job. And she's like, well, don't you want to know what it is? And I said, no, I, I don't. And I think I did that because I, I was kind of desperate to find a job. My husband had a job. And he's like, when are you going to get a job? You don't like the United Nations. And I'm like, well, I am going to get a job. And I did. 
And you were hungry. Yeah, I was hungry. And I lived in New York and I needed an income. So I got the job. And when I showed up at the job, she said, well, here's the reception. And that's what I became. I became the receptionist. Wait, so rewind. Mm Mm-hmm. You didn't know what the job was until you showed up for your first day at work? Right, because I wanted the job. I needed to get a foot in the door, and I knew that that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. But I really did think that it was sort of a stepping stone. I remember riding the F train with a former receptionist who told me, don't worry, I was only in the reception for two years, and I just about collapsed on the train because I thought there is no way I can last for two years in this in this job. So I made it my mission to learn and to become not invisible, but to actually become very visible to the CEO, the owner of the company at that time. I used to sit and read Forbes in Fortune and he would look at me and go, why are you reading that? And I'm like, because I want to learn about business. And so then I got, I got promoted, interestingly enough, to the German department, even though I didn't speak a single word of German. So you, that story just, I think so many younger professionals can really relate to that. You know, you graduate out of college, you have loans, you're just trying to get your foot in the door. And, you know, you take a job like an admin, Mm -hmm. receptionist, things like that. How, you mentioned that you, you made a point to get seen and it seems like you were just being a sponge, right? What are some things that someone could do like in your shoes, maybe now in, in, in 2020 or Mm -hmm. now, like Mm -hmm. how, how can they get seen? How can they work on building themselves up? I think you use the opportunity that has been given to you or that you've taken and you make the most of it. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, being a receptionist, and it's a little bit different today, I think that when when it was there, but every single phone call, every single transaction, every single visitor came through my desk. And so I got to meet people. I got to know who was calling who. I It was a switchboard. Mm-hmm. You know, you remember th- th- there were no cell phones. Every call in that company came through me. And I also had a lot of visibility to the operational part of the company. And I got to know everyone. So I used the opportunity to really, you know, not hide from it, but actually like be front and center. And, and so within, I think, three months, I was moved out of the reception, I think, because they saw my, you know, my willingness to work, my willingness to do what my job description, you know, didn't necessarily include. They saw my curiosity. I think curiosity is severely under underestimated. And the fact that I was good with people, you know, I, I could talk to people. So in the German department, I think I was a couple of months and then I was moved to an account management position. And this was a very interesting company. It was part of a large advertising agency, Ogilvy and Mather. And so, you know, they they won large accounts. Some of them were were accounts of the ad agency. And so they won this huge account and they're like, we need a project manager. Marta Geller, well, I wasn't Marta Geller yet, but Mm -hmm. it was Marta. Marta became the account manager. I had never managed an account, but it was an an amazing challenge, an amazing experience. I mean, it could have been a total failure, but 
it was actually quite successful. Thankfully, it didn't. Where did you get, like, your first taste of sales? You know, you're always selling. I think, you know, no matter what the role is, you're selling something. You may not be doing the cold calling. You may not doing be putting the proposal together. But, you know, if you're a project manager, if you're an account manager, you're selling yourself as a professional, but you're also representing your company. And you're also selling to a certain extent. You know, it may not be traditional sales. But I think the first time that I got a taste of sales was actually I had to manage one of their largest accounts, which at that time was for Tractor. But the interesting thing at that time is that my client was a group of probably 15 men, all in pinstripe suits and all probably, if not double, triple my age. And I was the only young female And I had to stand in front of this group and sell them on how we were going to print these brochures in 21 languages, I still remember, uh, about the, you know, four tractor X or four tractor Y. And uh, and I think that was part of sales. You know, I had to stand in front of this group and convince them that we were going to do a good job and that, you know, we were going to deliver on on our contracts So I think that was probably, without intending, that was probably the first uh, taste that I got of client, you know, exposed to clients. What does Marta say to Marta when walking into a room like that? You know, it's very interesting because I've thought about that. I do a lot of presentations and I, I have to stand in front of people. So I think it's knowing your subject matter, it's preparation, But I think at that point, to be honest with you, a lot of it was just sheer naivete (laughs) and youth, which everybody should embrace, right? Because there's a certain fearlessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that helped me a lot in those early days of of my career. There's a lot to being a woman of your age at that time, Mm -hmm. going into a room full of men that it just turns up the fear factor a bit, mm-hmm. no? Or like just the whole in- intimidation? Well, I, I will tell you, I come from a family of very strong women. I, I think all of these things eventually come together in your life and you don't know early in your life that these experiences are going to have actually play a big role in who you are and how you behave and how you handle situations. But, you know, my mother's an extremely strong woman, and she was a businesswoman from very, very early in her life. She was an executive woman, and I will tell you, she never graduated from high school. So talk about someone that had chutzpah and that had confidence. And so when I stood in front of these guys, it was like failure is not an option. (laughs) Yes, there's fear. Fear is good. I think fear, you know, managed fear helps you make sure that you're prepared you have to work harder, right? You Man, have to, sure, yes. right? I think I think you have to work harder than than you know if I had, had if I had had ten years of five years even of experience. So, but I think to answer your question, what would I tell Marta? Seize the moment. <laughs> yes. Seize the moment and just prepare as much as you can and 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 show results. Understand what understand what the results need to be. I've known Marta for years and still learned so much about her just in the first half of this conversation. 
about her early career and the risk she took. Tune into part two where we dive deeper into her work ethic, what brought her to Trends Perfect, and how she became who she is today. To those listening at home at the office or on the go, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to listen to the latest episodes of next. And if you made it to the end, thank you. Make sure you hit the like button before you close us out. And if you have a question, comment, suggestion, or you just want to tell us how much you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at nextpodcast at transperfect.com.